Yeah, hello, and welcome to episode 62 of Friends of the Show. I am Stephen W. Skinner, and this is my podcast where I chat with some of the funniest people who are online. This week's friend is a very funny comedy writer and performer who's been doing comedy for over 10 years and just moved to L.A. I'm talking about DJ Mausner, at DJ Mausner on Twitter. Truly an insightful chat about comedy with great advice for up-and-coming sketch writers, and we get into the DJ Mausner JFL saga. We discuss what it's going, what's like going from winning Just for Laughs homegrown competition one year to leading a boycott of the festival the next. We also answer some nice questions from listeners, so thank you, listeners. Now prepare yourself for the audio experience that is at Friends of the Show episode 62 with DJ Mausner. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I have fixed it, and thusly the podcast will begin. Amazing. Theme provided by Kyle I. Davidson. All right, well, that theme means we're doing the show. Uh, this week's friend is a very funny, I'm talking award-winningly funny, stand-up, sketch, and improv comedian who has recently made the move to L.A. to continue being hilarious, but in nicer weather. I'm very excited to have her on the podcast. It's DJ Mausner at DJ Mausner. Oh. Welcome. Hi, thanks for having me on. <laughs> yeah, thanks for being here. So, yeah, we're on Twitter, we're doing funny tweets, but you're doing every kind of comedy? Oh, I'm trying my best to. I mean, sounds like it. From what I listed, you got stand-up. You got <laughs> sketch comedy. You got improv. Yeah, yeah. I started uh, stand-up and uh, improv when I was around 15. Oof. So I'm coming up on 10 years now. Holy. And uh, yeah, uh, what, what's the 10-year anniversary? What do I get? What is it, wood? Oh, yeah, it is It is something like that. It's something. Are you gonna Give get, me you gonna my get wood. Give me my plank of wood. Are you going to get yourself uh, a nice piece of... Balsa? Better believe it. Gotta um, get that balsa, baby. That's your that's your pick? You'd be like, get well, me Well, I a... mean, that's the first one that came to mind. <laughs> that's your go-to? It's not not your pine. It's not pine. It's not no. something stupid like that. It's not oak. That'd be ridiculous. That's hardwood. No. And that's what 10 years of improv will do for you, is that when <laughs> someone asks you a question, you say the first thing that comes to your mind, and then you say, I said that because it was the first thing that came to my mind. And... That's a recipe for comedy gold. So that's like you have like a list of different random things that you can just pick from uh, at any given moment in your in your mind's eye. Yeah, that's what um, improv practices are. It's a bunch of people sitting around (laughs) and creating this list of nouns, sometimes proper nouns, uh, just to pull from, you know, just so you know what you're going to say when you go on stage. Just imagine, yeah, everyone's sitting around and you're just sitting on the couch, like sitting there thinking pensively. what about balsam? Everyone's like, oh, yeah. Balsam. Everyone starts writing it down. Isn't that a thing? Wasn't there like a uh, like the measurement of there's some bit about the measurement of what words are funny and why? And there's oh, a whole yeah. bit about there's like <laughs> There's like real life science behind, right? Like everyone tries to <laughs> figure out the science of the comedy. It's got to be – it's got to have – it's got to have misdirection. It's got to have – something else and it's definitely got to have a third thing <laughs> it's have... got to have something something and something i didn't even have a well, second I mean, thing <laughs> you said misdirection i think balls says good misdirection because it sounds like you're gonna say balls and then at the last minute it's a sub baby it's not some classic crude rude humor for this yucky dude it's some good fun <laughs> for the whole goddamn family it's for all those arborists out there just waiting <laughs> just just waiting, just fucking roaming around their rooms, breathing heavy, pumping their arms, being just, like, give me that sweet, sweet wood content. I want that forest shit. <laughs> give me that forest shit straight to the vein. So I have a question. Please. Your name is DJ. It now, is. when did you so when did you make the that choice? It, it's like, is that is that your true given initials or um, is, is it? Yeah. And do, that's do, my real last name. So is it just initial? Like your name is just DJ. So the story behind it is my parents wanted my uh, wanted my name to just be DJ, but they don't allow initials on a birth certificate. So they 
kind of made it up on the spot. DJ stands for Danica Jordan. Danica is spelled D-A-N-A-K-A. And that's because Danica is normally a Croatian name spelled D-A-N-I-C-A. My parents are not Croatian. So they just kind (laughs) of like made up the uh, spelling on the spot. Yeah, that's their version. Um, yeah, and they just called me DJ. Like I, they, it's like my legal name is Danica Jordan. I have two first names, no middle name, uh, and uh, they've called me DJ from when I was a kid. So, so the whole, so the plan was DJ the entire time. Uh huh. But due to these legal mumbo jumbo requirements, yep. you're Danica Jordan. This is it. The bureaucracy of Canada. Trudeau wants no more of it. Or whoever was prime minister when I was born in '94. <laughs> Wanted nothing to do with a cool ass name. Yeah, what my the heck? weirdo parents. I'm always interested in that because I have some friends. Like I have a friend who's like TJ, but like mm-hmm. Thompson James. Like that's his name. Oh, but you know who went? Who you can just decide that? Like, I, but I and only only names that go work in that rhyme scheme can work. Like only something J really works. Yeah, I knew a kid when I was when I was younger. I think I went to camp with him, and his name was Jr. And that wasn't bad either. JR, JR does work, yeah. But I mean, like, I mean, TS is good. TS Elliot, of course. I'm trying to think of one that doesn't work. I guess, like, like I, I got SA. one. SW. <laughs> I got one SW? for you right here. Yeah, that's me. I think that's good. You think I that do, works? but I, I think it's good. I guess anything SW. works. You can just if you just go with it. If you just stick with it. Yeah, I feel like if it's an uh, like the second letter is a vowel, it's like nah, 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 nah. You know, like if it was like or if it like or if it like if spells it uh, spells like a two letter word. If you're like, oh yeah, I'm N O. Like, huh? Yeah, A. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cool. Live your life in the negatives, yeah. baby. Or maybe you'd rebel against your parents and your teens and be that's, very positive. You know, that's actually secretly what I was thinking because the, the, I do know a, a TJ who was like did that on purpose so that like. You screw you. You pick that name. Well, I'm going by this now. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. It's like taking back, reclaiming your name. Like some people have gone to the length of changing their name. And it's a thing that people yeah. do, you know, but uh, it's just like a subtle way, I guess. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, people have asked me my whole life if I'm ever going to go by Danica Jordan or Danica Masner, or Jordan Masner or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't I, I don't I'm not like, uh, you know, ardently a pro- opposed to it but i've just kind of like lived my life as this for so long i do realize though like being a fucking adult named dj like when i'm like a 65 year old (laughs) and my name is dj like just fucking kill me just take that piece of balsa wood that i've kept since my 10th anniversary and clock me over the goddamn head and end it all Um, uh no I i think that uh you know people who have you know younger names and they're older that's cool yeah but like I don't know. Like, imagine being like an 80 year old dude named like Slingshot or something. You know, <laughs> that's actually pretty sick. Now that I think I was of it, like, hmm, maybe I should go by Slingshot. I can still legally change my name. I <laughs> just mentioned that. That's good. Slingshot, baby. Because it's like just uh, stupid enough that it's not like spooky. Like, it's not like your name is like, you know. I was about to say Mace, but actually there's a comedian named Mace, and he's a lovely, lovely man. Shout out to Hamilton's own Mace Galoney. Actually, I think he does a bit about it, or he just told me when we were working at 22 together that his parents were maybe going to name him Blade. Oh, wow. I think he has a bit about it. Did your parents have a backup name for you? Do you know, uh, like, oh, I was almost called JD or something? Yeah, it was, um, they always wanted to be DJ, but my backup name was they, if, you know, um, they if, believed that if I was born a boy, whatever that means gender wise, <laughs> but they were going to call me Doyle Jackson. So Ooh. I just thank fuck that that's not what happened. Republic of Doyle. Good. Republic of Doyle, Canada's <laughs> very own. Wow. Well, I guess you, you uh, dodged a bullet there. I also yeah, had a yeah. near miss with a name, uh, so I ended up with Stephen, uh, but everyone knows. And it almost was, if my dad would have had his way, Cosmo. Cosmo? You believe That's that? That's fairly like, odd parents shit right there. That is some dude. wild stuff. And I, it, like my dad really sticks to this story. Like He's like, it was going to be, but like, your grandmother, oh, she put her foot down. I was like, okay, well, I don't know. I'm, thank <laughs> my, you. Uh, Thanks, Grandma. My dad had this um, 
uh, he's, so I have three older siblings and we all have kind of kooky names and my eldest sister's name is Houston and her middle name is Chanel and it was supposed to be spelled Chanel like the you know perfume fashion mm-hmm. line whatever so my mom you know studied the business side of fashion and on the walk to like submit the birth certificate my dad changed the spelling so I believe it's C-A- C-H-A-N-N-E-L-L-E like, just oh, added okay. a whole bunch yeah, yeah. of fucking letters. Just Frenchified also, it. Just X. I mean, it is already French, right? <laughs> you just, yeah, like, yeah, exactly. really lean Chana. into it. Oh, truly. Chanel. Just more uh, letters is probably better, is what he's thinking. Yeah, you don't know what he was thinking. I mean, <laughs> my other sister's name is Candace, and my mom wanted it to be spelled C-A-N-D-A-C-E, so her nickname could be Ace. I don't know if you're getting a picture of what my family is like from these stories, but Wait, isn't in that, any case, isn't that uh, the my, normal way to spell Candace? I went <laughs> to school with the Candace, and it was A C E. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But my dad was walking to the office yet again, <laughs> oh and was God. like, "Someone needs to go with him. <laughs> Someone's gotta fucking." My mom just had a kid fly out of her. She's not walking down the hallway to make sure he doesn't have a goddamn eraser in his pocket. But apparently, oh, she man. needs to be. This... So he fixed it. You know, fixed in air quotes here <laughs> to C A. N-D-I-C-E, which really isn't that bad, but it's not the way that it's normally spelled. So in any case. Yeah, you're not going to find that uh, version in like the... the, Baby name book or whatever. Yeah, when you're looking for that custom thing. But luckily Mm -hmm. in 2019, we can get as custom as we want. Oh, you better believe it. So um, what what do you want? What websites you want that you're customizing your stuff? What apps are you on? What are your what are your go to's? My customizable stuff? No, I, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, what about, what do you just like check day to day? When you wake up in the morning or afternoon, what do you log into? I'm a, fu- I'm addicted to my phone. Like it's bad. Like not to like trivialize the term addiction, but I think actually I could fall under like the real real. You know how like oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Apple now sends you like this is how many hours you're on your phone. It's mm-hmm. like you're down 18 <laughs> percent. You were only on your phone five hours every day this week. And I'm like, oh, my God. Is that what you're <laughs> rocking? Like, yeah, I'm about f- I'm about four. The real <laughs> the real thing that was mind blowing to me was the pickups, like the number of times I picked up my phone. Like, oh my god! Like, I haven't even looked at that. I'm oh too yeah, that's scared. a secondary stat. Yeah, I oh. get the Sunday report pushed to me about the screen. I don't want to know screen time percentage. But I think it's good to just be like, oh yeah, this is bad. Just I just yeah. realize it every Sunday. Be like, oh yeah, yeah, this is bad, and like never really change anything. But then we'd just be like, I know. <laughs> just recognize that you're bad. Yeah. Imagine murderers are like that. Yeah, They're the like, I mean, step. okay, I know that I shouldn't <laughs> be killing. It's good to know my stats that I should be doing. <laughs> that's this. funny. I will kill again. You know, <laughs> just like cleaning up the bodies. Like, all right, I, <laughs> this is the worst. This is the bad part. I know. Yeah, I stabbed him eighty-six times. Clearly unnecessary. Eighty-six times. Uh, that's just too many times. He was. Dead. I picked up my knife eighty-six times. <laughs> oh, this app is killing me. He's looking at his Apple Watch. He's like, wow, yeah. <laughs> our motion was insane on that one. <laughs> yeah, totally. I, okay, well, to answer specifically answer your question, uh, okay, when I first opened my phone, it depends because I I turn it over at night because if it and it's on mm-hmm. my phone's always on silent and yeah. the light will bother me. So just because you're it's getting like nonstop have... notifications and messages <laughs> from your yeah, you better believe contacts, people are reaching out all hours of the night. Uh, your team is looking for you. Yeah, opportunities <laughs> are coming up. <laughs> no, um, it's uh, generally I'll look if it's if there's a notification of an important email, I'll always look at that first. But generally, it's like I'll look at Twitter, I'll look at Instagram. I turned off notifications for Facebook because I literally like there. There's nothing happening on it anymore. There's yep. nothing I care to look at. Mm-hmm. There, nobody I know uses it. Nope. So yeah, See I you later, get Facebook. Somehow, <laughs> hopefully, billions of notifications, but it's all like. Bob yeah. posted it, comedy hold, you know, and I'm like, they I learned, don't care. They learned that we like the notifications, so now they'll give you notifications for things that aren't notifications. Exactly. They gamified it. They're like, oh, this is what you want? Well, how about, oh, you got nine notifications. You you always have nine notifications, but guess what? You don't. <laughs> it's yeah, nothing. Guess what? It's Facebook Marketplace saying Hey, uh, what's going on, <laughs> this man? This nice piece of balsam wood uh, came on sale <laughs> on the marketplace. We you better hurt... believe I'm smashing the Facebook <laughs> fucking app when that comes up. I'm we... like, get me the balsam. 
<laughs> we literally were listening in and heard you talking about it. So we're just going to put this ad here. <laughs> truly, truly horrifying that that is very true. It's nuts. Um, but Has, yeah. Does it happen to you? Has it happened to you recently or, or something where you're like, I, um, uh, how did you know about this specific thing that I was recently talking about? I think it's happened to me with like restaurants. Uh, mm. But more often than not, I love when uh, I think everybody's like, taking their turn posting screenshots of this on Facebook or, t- or on Twitter or on Instagram or whatever. But like the nebulous company wish or whatever it's called that just oh, posts yeah. products that yeah. are like underwear with no crotch, rhinestoned headphones, a dildo with a spike at the end. And you're like, <laughs> what the fuck? Who's buying this? And is it? And in the corner, it's all like, four dollars six dollars <laughs> sixty cents and you're like this is just like an algorithm of goop from the internet i don't know what would happen if i clicked it but i'm too scared to. oh if you clicked it not only would it never ever go away from all your ads <laughs> you would uh yeah you'd start getting emails about it like truly did you see the new dildo with the spike on the end <laughs> yeah man i've seen them all have you seen one <laughs> but this one's two dollars I don't need any of that. <laughs> I get it. I watch me get a balsa wood dildo on my thing. Oh, I oh they're listening. They're listening. And I got to say, thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. At least somebody's listening. This is kind of the point of this whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess we mentioned it a little bit, but how do you get into all the types of comedy? So I think we covered a little bit about it, but mm-hmm. you're in a you're in a group you're in a collective? Yeah. So um, a couple, though, I guess way back at the beginning, before I started doing comedy at all, when I was just, uh, when I was a mere tween, I suppose, <laughs> uh, I was doing um, music and musical theater and stuff like that. My mom still, I think, has a small hope that I will be a musician, but uh, uh, what was uh, your, uh, it takes much more dedication to the craft. What'd you say? Uh, what instrument were you uh, rocking? I did a couple. Um, I played flute, alto sax, and violin. Ooh, that's a good group. Yeah, I have my own goddamn band. Yeah, you're really covering a lot of the bases of like the main. Got it. Main, yeah, those are like key key ingredients. Yeah, as a kid, I played violin, and then when I was in grade school, I played uh, alto sax, and then when I was in high school, I wanted to not have to carry a heavy instrument, so I switched <laughs> to flute. Strategy. That's it. And then um, I played acoustic guitar or guitar, I guess. Uh-huh. And then I've done I've done vocal stuff since I was a kid. And I think that's the only one, only thing that I still kind of futz around with, like like noodling on like a keyboard that plugs into my computer by ear because I never learned piano or anything like oh, that. And, uh, yeah, then, yeah, I got into, I did improv at Second City as a teen when I was, when I was in high school and. Precocious. uh, Is that the right word? (laughs) Oh, I mean, yeah, I think it was like, you know, I was the youngest of four. So I was used to, I guess, performing for my siblings or whatever, you know, all that good stuff. And then, uh, yeah, through, I started doing stand up. Actually, I started by writing for a friend who wanted to do stand up, who knew I did other comedy, which is bizarre wow. that I would be writing for anybody. That's weird. So you yeah. uh, like found your stand up voice just by writing really. <laughs> yeah, I guess. So. And it's funny. Cause I literally haven't considered myself a writer until like this year. So it's insane that I was writing for somebody else, but, uh, yeah, I was just helping him like sharpen jokes and I was writing a uh, comedy songs or whatever so i was going to this open mic at the free times cafe and so i brought him there to do comedy you know got a fake id at young and dundas square to get into bars and do some stand-up too you know you gotta do it wow really that's that's dedication really (laughs) risking your youthful uh law abiding (laughs) (laughs) my Uh, loss of innocence yeah losing your innocence to uh the world of stand-up the grimy, seedy underbelly. Oh, yeah, and boy, <laughs> do I regret. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, and then in university, got involved with an uh, improv team there. Oh, actually, I guess before that, I was in a stand-up competition, funny enough, uh, funnily enough, with uh, Sam Burns when we were both teenagers. Oh, and wow. then we wound up being the same year for Homegrown. He won the stand-up competition we were in as teens, but I won Homegrown. So oh, I yeah. got the last laugh. 
Sorry, Sammy boy. But everyone Sorry, check check out his Instagram, uh, Sam underscore you underscore L Boynes or something. Boynes, yes, Truly one of the funniest dudes. He's hilarious. He's really funny. Um, I only saw him for the first time like last year. Like a Nick Flanagan came to town. I'm out here in Hamilton, you know. So, and he was Sam was there, and I was like, whoa, this this guy's this guy's great. So yeah, he's really good. Follow him on Instagram. And he does a singing thing. All he does <laughs> do it. Fucking ham city. He's hamming um, it up. It's fun. And then, uh, uh, yeah, so in university, I was doing improv with the McGill University Improv Troupe and started doing sketch with uh, Bring Your Own Juice, which was a sketch troupe. I think still the only sketch troupe at McGill. And we would put on like a two-hour review once a year, which is insane and not <laughs> really sketch. But that's what... We thought sketch was. I mean, yeah. I mean, two <laughs> hours is is a lot, right? And if you're looking so at it, so much for university like that, sketch. That's a lot. Oh yeah, university oh, yeah. sketch like, team. University level hours. sketch. The sketches were like ten pages long. <laughs> we had costume changes for like every sketch for just like casual wear. It was cuckoo, but it was really really fun. <laughs> yeah, and I bet you're learning a lot about like the foundations of sketch and like what yeah. makes a good sketch and what can kill a sketch yeah you gotta get uh, a button right what's what are, yeah, yeah, exactly. what are your key what are your sketch tips <laughs> what's what was yeah. the number one thing that you would say to I someone mean, trying to write a sketch number one thing is have a clear premise uh ah. pete stevens who or peter stevens who is the uh the main dude or the head writer of uh elephant empire famed Toronto sketch troupe uh, is an amazing sketch teacher. And I think the way that he put it to me once was be able to uh, talk about like what you find, what the funny, the crux of your sketch in like one kernel, like what is it you're trying to say? Mm. Because you're essentially just going to uh, stagger yeah. heightening of that exact idea multiple times. Like talk about do the funny thing then do base reality funny thing base reality funny thing base reality until you blow it up yeah. and you do it as big as possible and that's the end of the sketch also most sketches should be three pages maximum four pages <laughs> and under you do not need to have a 10 page sketch Important. unless it's like a whole fucking to do if it's a whole to do isn't that more it'd be like maybe some sketches within sketches or like it's all sort of one thing but miniature acts maybe breaking it exactly down like, that. like uh, i wrote a sketch with my most recent sketch troupe uh cousins with uh emery fine kevin schustak originally andre uh but then replaced by later by alex brand when andre couldn't be in it anymore uh we wrote a sketch called uh mop and it was basically just like kind of like the coming of age story of the teenager who finally asks out the girl that they like, but the girl is a mop. And <laughs> because it's such a stupid joke, of course, the only way to make it funnier was to show their entire life together until the mop is in the hospital with some sort of illness, like dying. <laughs> like uh, it, it was very, it was like eight minutes long. But we committed to it, and that's like what an, matters, you know? An epic an epic sketch, right? Exactly. You got to have one uh, of those. At least one. But yeah, so I did did sketch at university and then uh, was working at uh, – did a bunch of improv at Montreal Improv Theater in Montreal because I went to school in Montreal at McGill. And uh, we did, did a bunch of shows there, did their house teams, had my own show, Joke Town, which was kind of like uh, – it's almost like a 24-hour play style thing where over the course of – three or four days, groups of three comedians from different around the different communities, like stand-up sketch, improv, mm -hmm. actors, whatever, would write, produce, and perform 10 to 12-minute short comedy plays, and the winner would become the mayor of the town and come <laughs> back next the week after that, cool. or the month after that. That's a good, and, uh, fun, collaborative, uh, like, writing <laughs> experiment thing or whatever, like, uh, writing, yeah. writing exercise. That's good. Yeah, it was it was the point of it was to cross over the communities, like have yeah. people get to kind of know each other and also to uh, kind of eliminate being precious about writing because so many people I knew were like, I want to mm. do this project, but I, you know, I just can't. It's or I don't think I'll be good at it, whatever. And under the gun, you know, we'd give them a series of unrelated topics and just be like, write something. And that's yeah. it. And whatever you do is right. You know, that's great. Yeah, because a lot of yeah. people are like, oh, I've been working on these three pages for three years. But like, well, mm -hmm. I mean, Maybe they're done. 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That was just trying to get people out of a rut. Yeah, that's great. And yeah, I started, picked up saying, I kind of stopped saying up a little bit in university, then picked it up or in the beginning of university and then picked it up a little bit later and did that whole thing and then did the whole just for laughs thing. And okay. Then- all right. There we go. We're talking about <laughs> the DJ Mausner JFL saga. And that <laughs> is it. This is the headlining story of the podcast. So let's get into it. So I think you mentioned you uh, co-winning JFL Homegrown. And that was in yeah, with 20, 2017. Yeah, Courtney Gilmore, uh, another very funny uh, Toronto comedian. Awesome. Uh, and yes, yeah, she recently <laughs> returned to JFL. Unlike you. This is true. For good reason. Yeah. Right? Yes. Yeah. Uh yeah. So uh one homegrown and that meant that I won uh taping the following year and I turned it down and instead boycotted the festival on the grounds that I believed they did not do enough to address the fact that they had harbored a literal charged in a court of law rapist for like 30 years. Gilbert Razon, their, the head or whatever the fuck his position was, he had resigned that fall but that was only after like 20 plus women came forward. Some named oh, themselves, yeah. some didn't uh, in a piece in Le Devoir. So it was a lot of the reporting was done in French so a lot of Anglophones uh, like didn't even know about it or didn't uh, know the extent of it, whatever. But a lot of the women who were affected, uh, who were sexually assaulted or sexually harassed by Razon were in like Quebec media and and it was often that his position of power at JFL like kind of enabled him to wield that over them and also a lot of them the article is is still up I believe I mean I haven't looked at it in forever um but uh a lot of them were like teenagers which is also super fucking creepy but yeah the beginning of the story of that is uh uh, he was charged in a court of law in 1998 or something like that for the sexual assault of a person. And then he got off on a charge. He got off uh, like that. He was not charged, but it was brought up of the forcible confinement of another woman. Then the Quebec government scrubbed his record clean because it would have impeded him from traveling internationally, uh, oh, which would have man. been an impediment to the money they make during the Just for Laughs <clears throat> Festival. Uh, and he was allowed to stay on in the company, I guess. Nobody in the company, you know, kicked him out or whatever for another 30 years until the whole Me Too movement happened. Like more, it was more of like a push for it. And then he resigned. But uh, my problem with the festival was that they did nothing to address the fact that they had let him stay on for 30, you know, around 30 years, whatever the amount of years were. Yeah. Um, they did not redo their sexual assault policy and they didn't do anything proactive to show that they are working towards making it a safer place for women and other marginalized identities at the festival. One of my suggestions being to have gender parity minimum in coming years, which they have not had um, of their main headliners. And that was a statistic that I came to by literally just going to the artist page of the festival and counting how many women or non-binary identifying people there were. And yeah, from I haven't take... done that. I haven't paid attention to JFL this year or I guess partially last year, but my year and then, or I guess, yeah, my year and then last year it was like, uh, Almost 30%, a little under, were women and even less of those are women and non-binary people. And even less of those were women of color or non-binary people of color. Even less of those were those identities plus being queer, plus being having a disability, plus, 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 you know. And given the climate right now and given the fact that there's so many talented comedians that sit at the intersection of multiple identities, it's like mm-hmm. what an easy way to make your festival more accessible to different people in your audiences and also to show people you give a fuck. That's, but instead, uh, yeah, big part they book disease and sorry. Uh, uh-oh. Opposite. Digging in the heels, <laughs> as they say. Reinforcing the old, what is it? Is that the patriarchy? Is they, uh, are they doing something here? Is, <laughs> it, it always is. It always is. Uh, those guys. Those guys. Those rascals. <laughs> they are rascals. Someone <laughs> should. Someone should. I mean, you're doing it, and that's what I really appreciate. Stepping up. Not only, yeah, you forfeited your TV taping, which is huge. You're like, I'm not gonna do this because I believe that this is right, and they should do the 
what some would consider the bare minimum, <laughs> like exactly. the barest minimum to like, you know, mea culpa. We are very bad organization. Yes. We were like hiding this guy and we did all this bad stuff, but we'll, we'll learn. Like that's, that's all we're just looking for. The we'll learn part and yeah. just like show it by your actions. Uh, seemingly, very easy and great totally. suggestions, DJ. Great suggestions. <laughs> so, I don't well, know. yeah. I mean, ultimately, what happened is after a couple of days after. Uh, so, Celeste Yim, who amazing comedian, amazing writer, Celestrogen on Twitter, love of my life, big old friend that I, I care for. Celestrogen. I've been saying it in my head wrong the entire time. What have you been saying? Uh, Celeste Rogan. <laughs> Like you like Seth Rogen or something. I love that. I gotta tell them about that. That's, that's embarrassing. Amazing. I'm sorry, Celeste. Uh, yeah, no, that's okay. everyone it's go check out her writing advice. <laughs> I got the, yeah. her article about yeah open here. That's great, man. Yes, yeah, Celeste. So um, I remember talking about it with Celeste, and they were essentially just like, "You have to do what you think is right." And I'm like, hey, first, it's so strange because half of half of me is like. Who gives a shit? It's th- well. Luckily, at the time I was living with my parents, I could say it's three thousand dollars. I had the fin- I had the privilege of having the financial backing to not take it. Like it wasn't like my life depended on it or anything like that. Also, I'm white, which means I have access to way more opportunities. Unfortunately, very often, or I'm given more of a grace. I'm given more graces when it comes to stuff like this because uh, because of. You know, we're Privilege. living in a supremacist society, and Privilege. I benefit from that. Mm. You know, all those fun things. I um, mean, hey, and that's a great but, thing, too. You just, like, uh, saying that, <laughs> you know, just, <laughs> like, putting it out there. Like, I'm yeah. aware of these these other uh, factors that are playing into this whole situation. Yeah. I mean, my hope was that some, as I called them, funky Larrys would have stepped forward, a.k.a. Older, white, yeah. straight, cisgendered, uh, middle-class men in the community yeah. who have nothing to lose. Yeah. We're going to be like, hey, don't fucking do that just for laughs. But instead, it was just a me, Mario. Uh, <laughs> but that's okay. You know, ultimately, it was my it's, it was my political leaning. And we all saw the big, huge JFL <laughs> <Yeah>. protest during <laughs> SiriusXM kerfuffle or whatever the hell kerfuffle we, is to make me have a big old laugh <laughs> <laughs> yeah no doubt so i mean uh, not I th- laugh i mean like i have friends who like have families who need that money to support their families that's not funny they need that money i totally feel that that's fine but it's like i get it you care about your money more than women who are being literally sexually assaulted okie dokie <laughs> right yeah it was just sort of like the level of all the voices that were raised immediately when, when you know, there's maybe other other times when the voices should be raised. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was funny, and it just it, like uh, again, it goes back to the fact that like yeah, what I was saying was like half of it was like the easiest decision to make in the world, and the other half was hard because I'm like you know at the time I think I was 22 or 23. I, again, I'm only 24 now, and was just like oh, do I want to do this? And da, da, da. I have the privilege also of I, my dad's from New York, so I have American citizenship, which is why I was able to move to LA so oh. easily. That I'm like. I, my, I wasn't hitching my belt to Just for Laughs star anymore. That was definitely something that I did when I was a little bit younger and was like, Just for Laughs is the be all end all and it's going to make me this and it's going to help me that. And the reality is, no, it's not. Like, <laughs> unfortunately, you know, it's it doesn't do much for your career unless they take a, a total shining to you and they want to give you money all the time. But that's it. Otherwise, it's just like another thing to put on a resume. And, you know, in places like L.A. and New York, everybody and their mother has a just for laughs credit. It doesn't really do much for you, yeah. <laughs> which is such a sad thing, because I will say it is very important in Canada for people to have this credit it is it's one of the things canadians are it's a big monument for or a big milestone for a lot of people and yeah. that is I totally respect that and that's fair and true and it they should have access to that i'm not saying it should be taken away but in my personal experience my case whatever it's uh, no longer the star on top of my tree i'm not like uh it's not uh, it's huge a huge deal to me as you know uh in this specific case you know my dignity or my moral values and i kind of felt like I've been lucky to kind of have a, a bit of a speedy upward trajectory in my career, to, or according to some. And if, you know, if I was willing to bend how I 
how I felt politically this early on, I was kind of like, what else will I say yes to? You know, oh, I yeah. feel it's <laughs> you wrong, wanna, yep. so I should say no. Like we were talking about 80-year-old DJ before. What What's 80-year-old DJ going to be at that point? <laughs> well, she will be named Slingshot. <laughs> yeah, please, please refer to me as Slingshot. <laughs> So, oh yeah, that was the Sega was interesting. It sucks. One of the one of the things that sucked more is that I because I lived in Montreal for a number of years. I have friends who work for Just for Laughs, who you know I they were close friends of mine, and it's just like of course due to the nature of my pu- very public boycott, you know those friendships had to end, which is a bummer. But it's also just like you know, yeah, I will say like. It, it was bizarre to me that after my boycott, like after Gilbert Rosan resigned and after all of these women came forward, nothing happened until like a white Anglophone comedian was like, I'm not going to do this and talked to and, and had an interview written by Celestium in Vice that it was like, OK, now we're going to do something because afterwards they were like, we changed our sexual assault policy and we here's a piece of here's we're putting out a thing in support of all the women who came forward. Um, I don't know what they've done to try and attempt gender parity. It doesn't seem like they've really been doing that in their major programming like off JFL, I think, has gotten a bit better. But unfortunately, you don't you make a fraction of a fraction of the money that. Like I had a show in off JFL and I think with my cast, though, it was quite big. Everybody ended up making like, you know, 25 bucks and I was going to get paid three grand for seven minutes. You know what I mean? Like the money's kind of incomparable, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. So in any case, I I try not to, uh, though, of course, I'm very impassioned by it still, as you can probably tell. Mm -hmm. Uh, um, I try not to engage with it as much anymore because it's not really a part of my life. I'll never do the festival. (laughs) <laughs> you know, it's a, and I'll never do any of its affiliates, you know, uh, my main bag right now. And I think for the I think what I want to do for the for the majority of the rest of my comedy career is uh, TV writing. So yeah. I've been lucky to find all new opportunities there and things that kind of I've been lucky to work on a lot of projects that kind of uh, support or or at least don't directly go against my uh, my political values and beliefs. And isn't that the best you can hope for? I mean, that's great. Oh, truly. So much better than the opposite of that. <laughs> or what, yeah. it crushes your soul? That's not good. Totally. I love to joke now. My big joke is that I love to turn down opportunities. <laughs> yeah. I say it all the time. Give me an opportunity and I'll turn it right down. You You'll know? find some reason. <laughs> I'll find, yeah, exactly. I'll nitpick until so, I find something. I'll have the high, the moral high ground on this somehow. <laughs> exactly. Oh, totally. And that's the thing is like, it's like it, it, like, I think um, some people were like, I just don't understand why you take a stand against a festival that's supporting you, a young queer woman. I'm like, <laughs> you think I like what possible benefit does boycotting this festival give me? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. what do I get from that? Nothing. I got literally nothing from it. But I did it because I wanted there to be change and I wanted it to be safer for like my friends who are going there who are like queer and more like I'm passing, right? Like I pass as a straight person, people who are not straight passing, like that there has to be things in place or at least the feeling that there's an eye on the festival so that they aren't, you know, doing the same old shit. Something like from the festival saying that like we're aware of these, you know, issues and we're, we're trying to do better is I think that's what people are looking for. Yeah, it's also like, you know, not to support capitalist behavior, but it's also very in vogue to be like all women's gala, you know, and it's like you could do it. Yeah, you You just ain't. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah, there's lots of things you can do and people are doing it right. Like these communities are sort of mobilizing, mobilizing themselves. And, you Mm -hmm. know, guess who's going to get left behind? Exactly. So big kisses to my haters. Sorry that you couldn't phase me, you know. <laughs> Sorry. I know you're listening, haters. Also, haters thanks for listening. Motivator, Steven, and that's what I'm here to say today. Also, uh, thanks for listening, DJ's haters. <laughs> Any ears, right? Any ears are good ears. Any ears are good ears. We All love right. the ears of the haters. But yeah, like, I mean, over the years, I, I've done... Oh, I do bits about incels. I do bits about <laughs> dudes who think talking over women is chill. I do bits about uh, people who are fat phobic. I'm sure I have lots of people out there who'd like my head on a stick. And you know what? Start that fire, baby, but you're never going to roast me. Oh, meow, meow, meow. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, you got to laugh. You got to laugh when people want you dead. You, you know? got to laugh. And uh, yeah, those are the people on Twitter, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's our yeah, main audience. 
Well, that was like when fucking, uh, not, you know, again, a company who I'm sure has my name on some sort of like kill on site list. But uh, when Yuck Yucks did that White Lives Matter show and I was like, this is fucked ridiculous and basically created a list uh, accumulating all of the more accessible and inclusive shows in Ontario or Toronto and Ontario to pass around being like go to see literally any of these shows instead they are just as funny if not funnier and they don't have fucking horrible white men trivializing the deaths of black people yeah that's the thing like the that's an unnecessary addition to the voices right now like 100% wholly unnecessary Uh, and then, you know, of course, the trills descend. I haven't had it so bad. Like, I've seen other people get, like, it really bad. But it's things like, you know, like, when people have insults that you're just so far past being offended by them so you they don't upset you. You know, like, people being like, I bet your pussy's stinky. And I'm just like, that's <laughs> hilarious, you know? Yeah. Um, but, yeah. I'm sure it's not great. I mean, I've heard like a, a I wrote an article about Jordan Peterson and then one, uh, like a satirical article uh, for the Beaverton. And um, one of my friends was like, you have to be careful because he literally will dox you like he's doxed my friends and stuff. I'm like, oh, that would be super spooky. But, you know, what can you do? I mean, <laughs> what can yeah. you do when someone wants to dox you? Yeah, What are you going to do? I mean, I'm glad I guess you've never been doxed. So thank goodness. Right. Knock on wood here. No one wants to get doxed. Knock on balsa. Knock on balsa. All right. <laughs> so now JFL saga behind. You're looking to your next trilogy, the yes. LA chapter. So mm-hmm. how's it going? So you've recently moved out to Hot Angeles. Yes, it's good. I mean, I moved. I moved here. Like I moved out. Uh, what did I? Early, like late. June, but then I I was basically like came here, bought furniture, put it in my room in my apartment, and then left again because I was <laughs> going back to write for um, season five of Baroness, whatever season we just wrote of Baroness Fun Sketch Show. Shout out to Baroness Sketch Show, everyone, check it out. It's good. You'll like it. If you're in America, it's on IFC. If you're in Canada, it's on freaking CBC, dude. And no excuses. <laughs> it's free. You, it, the app is free. And you just, free BC gem, baby. Gem. Yeah, free BC. You can watch everything. You can watch everything. Old, watch old episodes of Cavendish. You can watch Murdoch Mysteries. Oh, we love Cavendish in this house. We do. We're a Cavendish house, but <laughs> RIP. RIP. R.I.P. Um, but yeah, that uh, so I wrote I was writing for Baroness and then I um, literally just got back here like I think two weeks ago. Like back and all, forth. Yeah, like plant, two weeks ago. So I'm back. really fresh. I'm a little fresh Bobe. I mean, I love the UCB theater. So I've just started getting involved over there and nice. we'll see what comes of that. Just starting to, you know, sink my claws and my teeth like the animal I am all into right. the stand up scene. That's great. Yeah. I can't wait to see who gets clawed. Yeah, your, can't wait to see who gets bitten by me. It's maimed into your uh, into your circle. That'll be exciting. People to like see. that, right? People like when they're bitten and clawed. Yeah, physical attacks. <laughs> physical attacks. People oh. are like <laughs> you. If you like intellectual attacks, <laughs> you may also enjoy physical attacks. Now with claws. Now with claws and teeth. But yeah, um, so, so now doing that, at, I mean, I wrote a, a wrote a finally fucking wrote a pilot this year after yeah. like humming and hawing forever. Um, it's, you know, my very first one. And now I'm writing my second one. And the first one, I mean, I've written, I wrote and co-wrote a couple musicals and I wrote, uh, co-wrote a play before. Like I've done that. But the ha- the comedy half hour, for some reason, it was just such a mental hurdle, which mm-hmm. is bizarre because once I started doing it, I absolutely loved it. So yeah. Do, doing that whole thing. Yeah, congrats and, on getting yeah. those uh, those written. That's that's great. Thanks. Um, yeah, it feels good. So, what's your elevator pitch for your first pilot that you wrote? Oh, I feel like it's uh, like this is going to be so bad. Okay, it's I, fine. I, I don't. That. I'm going to yeah. do it. I'm okay. going to give it to you. Okay, so thematically, teamwork makes the dream work. Female friendship, gay as hell cast, mm-hmm. women and non-binary people only. Uh, Plot-wise, scrappy, underdog, but talented uh, captain of a, you know, ragtag group of misfits. Women's lacrosse team Joe Matthews has hogged the spotlight for too long when suddenly a member of her team, due to an injury, falls out before a big game. 
and is replaced by Madison Hargreaves, who was unceremoniously eliminated from her team a year previous with great mystery. Nobody knows why. Ooh. She was the best player in the whole league. Why'd and now Joe, head-to-head with this fine young woman, has to understand how to share the spotlight in order for the team to win gold. Uh, that's about it. The fun, weird cast of characters, like I said, super gay. Kind of like a, yeah, it's like a half hour cast comedy, kind of like a Brooklyn Nine-Nine style where everybody's got their own thing. Yeah. But they got to work together. Yeah, you got, your, you, got your a, you got your A story. You got your B story. You better believe there's a C story. And probably, Ooh. there probably is a D story. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. But they Lots are all interwoven. Lots of emphasis on laxatives and diarrhea in the pilot. Gotta say. Love a love a shit joke. So those there's a couple of those in there, too. I mean, those are going to hit. Those are probably going to hit. <laughs> those are going to hit like gravel being thrown into the toilet, baby. Diarrhea yeah. sound. <laughs> Straight in. All right. Well, that's great. Can't wait to see it on IFC 2021. Uh, <laughs> or I don't know. You know, I mean, Stephen, you and I both know that 99.9% of pilots are never made. It was more just like, I feel like, um, you know, yeah, getting for all it out the of writers the listening, who, of course, I know are just clamoring <laughs> for this episode. They are. Uh, they are all the haters <laughs> who are also writers. It was more just about finally getting over that mental. It's so weird because I feel like I've constantly uh, had to coax my friends into doing stand up, like just being like, you got to just go out and do it. Mm. And then when I'm writing a pilot, I'm like, buh, 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 I'm <laughs> sc- sc- scared, yeah. you know. And then I did it and I was like, this is actually so fun and I love to do it. So I should just do it. <laughs> that is you know? good. And um, so how did you did you just do it all 100 percent, just buckle down and clackety clack on the keys or did you like workshop something uh, anything mm-hmm. with your friends or like you know so my i'm very lucky to live with my wonderful writing partner kevin Shustack, known of uh 22 minutes fame and also has written for a bunch of other smaller cartoons and things like that uh and him and i decided to make a pact to finish these pilots together he was writing one too so while i was still in toronto and he uh, was living out here in la we would have a phone call every week and kind of pass ideas by each other and send each other drafts and all that stuff so that definitely helped yes. but um i'm i'm a person who's really i'm so neurotic and mm-hmm. i really want to get things perfect and right mm-hmm. which doesn't really exist uh but i did a lot of uh, reading a bunch of pilots and then breaking them down, like oh, um, yeah. writing summaries of each act and then highlighting like what storyline they are or what relationships they are, and then reducing that kind of info into point form knowledge and then saying, okay, so if this is the structure of this kind of cast comedy that I like of their script, how do I kind of mirror that in mine? And then writing out the beats almost like it's beats of a sketch for each storyline and then fleshing out characters and what I wanted to be them to be like. And then as, as I'm writing, I'm writing and rewriting as the pilots kind of coming into what it's supposed to be. And right. once I get down to my third act, going back to my first and seeing if I still like these characters and if their trajectories make sense. And yeah, just like a lot of drafts and trying to get out like, you know, being okay with like writings for six hours and getting like two to three pages out and just being like, that's fine. It's only supposed to be 30 pages, like 35 maximum. It's okay to write three pages a day and then go back and change a bunch of them the next day. What's more important is just getting those ideas down and also like having fun, like remembering like, oh, I know what I like to see in TV shows and comedy and how are ways that I how are how can I rather and what are the ways that I can infuse that into my own stuff? Yeah, that's great. So it's less like work and more like fun. I see. More like fun. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's been another thing. I mean, when I so because I kind of came up, even though I'm from Toronto, I kind of came up in Montreal because that's where I was doing a lot of my comedy. Um, when I moved back to Toronto, I didn't have to start over because Canada's you know a, a smaller scene, um, but uh, was definitely like having to reestablish myself a bit. And I had to, the main lesson that I was learning was like, oh, I I mean, it's so simple now, obviously. It's not like anything full of wisdom, but it was learning to love the process and not the results. And just being like, what does it mean to really love what I'm actually doing and not be worried about if it gets me something or where it's getting me, which I think is pretty difficult because especially, you know, when 
Canadian comedians moved to Toronto or Vancouver, they're like, all right, I'm getting professional. I want to do the real deal. Yeah. But it's like this, the stuff that's going to really have you stand out is the stuff that you're doing that makes you happy and is like weird and niche and is exciting for you because yeah. ultimately other people will see that and be excited by it. So don't uh, try not to feel like you're your talent is dictated by what you are or aren't being given in the like comedy work hierarchy. You know, I hear people doing yeah. this with like second city and just for laughs and I don't know, fucking it's, you know, it's like writings for CBC or yeah, stuff like that, that yeah. it's like, eh. it's so nuts. I mean, like it's, it's, there's, it's never been like an overnight thing. <laughs> and some people yeah, exactly. kind of like forget that. Like, I don't think it's other than that one guy, was it, uh, Freddie Prinze on the Tonight Show back when the Tonight Show every single person in the U.S. watched it. I think that was the last time it was like literally an overnight success. Uh, and then since then, it's much harder. <laughs> yeah, I mean, unless you're marvelous, Miss Maisel. Well, that's the cat skills, baby. That's different. <laughs> that's the cat skills, Sorky. You see? Oh, I love the Jewish minstrel show. <laughs> what a what a program! Uh, luckily, I'm I have no point of reference with that. Oh, other than, good. <laughs> other I mean, than, listen, I've watched every episode, and I will continue to, but I won't like it. I won't <laughs> like it. Okay. Well, there you go. Uh, who's the who's the star of that uh, that one? Oh. Uh, Oh, Rachel Brosnan. Bros- I think that's her name. Brosnahan, right? Bron- Brosnahan. Brosnahan. Yeah, she. Um, uh, oh yeah, Pierce Brosnan. That's not her. <laughs> not James Bond. Pierce Brosnahan. Um, yeah. What a more interesting show that would be if Maisel was uh, replaced with just a James Bond nineties from... era James Bond. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Goldeneye just walking into the wall. Does that you slick know? back hair? Love that. Silence PP8. <laughs> and then the, the caption for the show is she kills and it's just like him like you know <laughs> just, they just never reference I actually, it i don't know if i'm comfortable with like mass shooting jokes now that i live in america and every time i go to the movie theater i'm like say a little prayer i don't die you know it is horrifying and i'm sorry that this is the case uh, over there in the usa and i guess as a person from canada you're like uh, you kind of notice the difference right like there's that palpable yeah. sense of fear permeating the air or something oh, totally. <laughs> yeah it's, yeah i mean uh, it's definitely not good i will say like not to say that and i don't think you were saying this either but not to say that like that doesn't happen in canada considering there was like a shooting in a mosque in quebec not so long ago there was 13 horrifying. shootings in Toronto over the uh, Caribbean Fest weekend. Really? Like last, last uh, weekend? Oh, yeah. That's horrifying. Yeah, it's bad. Guns are bad, it's y'all. It's bad everywhere. And if there's one thing you take from this podcast, guns are bad, y'all. Yeah. Guns are bad. I'm going on record. <laughs> said it before. <laughs> going on record as anti-gun. I'll if say anybody it before asks. and I'll say it again. Find my tweet that says guns are bad and retweet it right now. <laughs> All right. Well, DJ. Wait, can, do people call you DJ? Is that a? Yeah. Is oh that, yeah, totally. Cool I mean, people call me Deej. Some people call me Danica. I've had friends who call me that. I have friends who call me Jordan. Listen, I'll respond to anything as long as you don't call me late to dinner, baby. Heyo. Meow, meow, meow. <laughs> what about Danjo? Like a banjo? Oh, I've actually never heard that before. All right. And gotta say, that's... I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's mine then. I don't like Pat it. Patent pending. <laughs> All right. Danjo. Danjo. Danjo sounds like it would sound more like. Oh, yeah. Maybe it would. You know, no Danjo, just try it out and Ugh, try it out this I week and see, see how it feels. Imagine that whole article about boycotting fucking JFL was like, Danjo had this to say. <laughs> would it have been taken any more seriously than it was? Well, no. people, people would click to see what celebrity couple that is. <laughs> okay, who, what celebrity couple would that be? That would be like Danny DeVito and Scarlett Johansson? Oh, yeah. I mean, that oh. could possibly be the most powerful super couple. I mean, I mean yes, because I mean, Danny DeVito was like ardently anti-racist and Scarlett Johansson loves to pretend to be not white. So It's a classic odd couple <laughs> situation. Yeah, classic odd couple. <laughs> they could do a sequel to Twins. Oh my god, twins, but they're dating? Ew, <laughs> incest? Incest twins. Coming in 2022. They're fraternal, and they're fraternizing. <laughs> <laughs> this sells itself. 
What I'm saying is I'm dropping the pilot I'm currently working on and we will start writing this as soon as we finish recording. Okay, well, now we get to everyone's favorite part of the show and it is questions from Twitter. So thank you to everyone who has sent in a question to at FOTS pod on Twitter. And the first question comes to us from friend of the show, Kevin at Llama in a Tux. And the question from Kevin for DJ is... What is the wind velocity of a swallow? Okay, so I got to say, saw this cue online before you're asking it to me, and I was like, what the fuck does this mean? So I Googled it, and I realize now it's a Monty Python sketch or a reference thereof. Mm -hmm. And I can respect that. I know nothing of uh, the comedy forefathers because I'm a brat. <laughs> I haven't seen any episodes of Seinfeld. I'm one of those assholes. Oh. So I'll say uh I know that the fact that I remember is that it beats its wings 43 times per minute. Okay. Uh so the weight I'm going to say Oh, it's one ounce, right? Because he says the coconut is at least five ounces, and how would it be able to grip it? So one ounce, motherfucker. Google could have told you that, but thank you for asking a question, and I appreciate your audience. Thank you very much, Kevin. Uh, great question, and thanks to Monty Python for that uh, Comedy classic. For that comedy classic. Is it an unladen swallow? Yeah, the coconut. And then I actually, you know what I will say? Thank you. So You said the, the person who sent that uh, is named Kevin? Yep. Thank you so much, Kevin, because, and this is, I'm being 100% genuine. I scrolled down and I saw an interesting fact in the YouTube comment section about how, you know, I did know prior to watching this clip that in that movie they clacked the coconuts together to sound like a galloping horse. Yes. That they wanted to initially have horses in the movie, but nobody would fund them because they thought the movie was going to bomb. So they <laughs> did that coconut thing as a bit. Yeah. And then they turned it partially into a sketch. And now it's one of the most famous movies of all time. So thanks, Kevin. You you made me learn good. <laughs> now you learn. Now all I right. Learn. It's probably the, yeah, this is an educational podcast. I'm going to refile yeah. it under uh, the educational <laughs> The, the children need to know all about my particular feelings about Just for Laughs and coconuts in Monty Python. That was pretty good, right? It was not a coconut. That was actually very good. <laughs> thank you. All right. So thank you very much, Kevin. And the next question comes to us from friend of the show. What a delight. It's Morgan. Sweatpants share at house underscore feminist. Okay. She's got three questions. For DJ, and let's take these one at a time. Question number one. What is the difference between people who have moved to L.A. and people who have not moved to L.A.? Geographic location. Final answer. Bing. Survey set. <laughs> Bing. <laughs> That's good. Is that one? Good. Yeah, that yeah. was the answer? That was oh, yeah, the answer. I forgot that you have the actual answer. I have the answers questions. right here, yeah. Yeah. They, uh, they appear to me. I, it's like I have that, uh, you know, like the red and blue paper uh, or the red and blue is like see-through film yeah, exactly. and i hold it over the tweet and i can see the answer underneath the question yeah that's like those klutz books i feel like they only exist in ontario but they were like secret do you know what i'm talking about no. k-l-u-t-z there were like these books i think for kids that were like uh they were always weird oblong shaped and like held together by a ring and you would give it to your kid <laughs> when you would go on a road trip before okay, there yeah, was yeah. like portable dvd players or whatever yeah and would have like little things in it. Anyways, they had the that kind of that kind of fun silly shit in there. That shit is so silly. Shout out to Klutz guys. <laughs> Thanks for doing that. All right. The second question we got coming in from Morgan. If you were to design a birth control method, what method would it be and what would you name it and how would it be marketed? Okay. The birth control method would be I don't know like if it would be like an oral contraceptive or like insert or whatever, but <laughs> it would only work to prevent pregnancy if you made the person who is taking the birth control climax. All right. I so get it. That would, you're going to be, if you can't do that for your partner who has a vagina. You're in trouble. You're, you're going to be a parent. And that's that. That's that. Um, Don't mess around with this. Get to work. And, <laughs> 
and it would be called "Make Me Come, Idiot." <laughs> Is that well, like a, a comment? Yeah, a comma and then an exclamation mark. Yeah, make after me idiot. come, comma, idiot, and all the letters <laughs> would be kind of like staggered back and forth, like mousetrap. I get it. Yeah, know? yeah. <laughs> and a picture of like a mousetrap. picture of like a dumb guy on the cover, but like with a baby, and like a yeah. cool guy on the other cover with no baby. Yeah, exactly, with no baby. And oh, I will say that regardless of the climax, it would prevent against also like all STIs and stuff like that too. I just think that that would be a sick thing. Um, and then how would I market it? Uh, I'd be like, I'd like uh, uh, enact warfare on all other birth control. Oh, you'd go negative. So I would be the only one <laughs> on the market. <laughs> oh, like physical, like <laughs> Listen, the I'd Trojan be, factory I'm, if I'm being told, I'm a North overlord. <laughs> I'm buying into it. Hundo P. Got it. You, you and your ragtag group of gorillas. <laughs> like attack these compounds where they make prophylactics of different sorts. Oh yeah, when I say guerrilla warfare, I mean war with gorillas. Of course. <laughs> All right, and I think we've reached the third and final question submitted to us from Morgan. And that question is Fuck Mary Kill the Friends from the hit TV series Friends. And now Morgan uh, also adds to clarify, I realize there are six friends, but in my question, three friends just get to go on living without being fucked, married, or killed by friend of the show, DJ Masner. Okay, got it, got it. Important clarification. Um, okay, I'm going to break the rules and say, fuck Gunter, marry Gunter, kill <laughs> Ross. <laughs> oh, I thought I, that's a good change. No, Gunter can live, Gunter gonna live. Oh, that's a great answer. Yeah. I mean, Thank while you. it is outside the box, because uh, she asked within the, the friends from... The, I, I mean, know. Does he count as a friend? I mean, he's not a title titular friend, but... He's my friend. He's technically someone's friend, right? Yeah. I mean, I hope he was trying to be their friend so bad. <laughs> yeah, he was. He wanted to be part of that. Yeah. He, he had a thing for Rachel. Oh, did he? I feel like I don't... I feel... I've seen... I remember watching a bunch of episodes when I was younger when it was still on mm -hmm. like i remember the last episode and all that but uh i don't know with that that well i'm gonna answer the question for real i'd probably end up marrying monica just because i feel like she's given so much shit for being fat as a kid okay and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and i'm like you need to be with somebody else who's also fat so that <laughs> you don't have to live through the extreme fat phobia all of your friends put you through and then fuck um, Marcel the monkey. Marcel the monkey. He had a brief stint. He had a nice arc. <laughs> he had a great yeah. arc. Shout out to oh, the he writers. Had a hot ass arc. Arc. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that <laughs> was a, that was a freak. That was a famous monkey, right? Like that that monkey who played Marcel was like a famous actor monkey who was in a ton. Oh, of, really? Uh, yeah, he's in like a ton of other movies. Uh, I think actually they had wanted a gorilla for the role, but no one funded Friends because they thought it was going to bomb, so they could only afford a much smaller monkey. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> it's been happening in the industry. <laughs> you got to work around it. You got to. You got to be like Duplass Brothers. You got to be willing to <laughs> use no budget. Yeah, exactly. Mumblecore with Marcel the monkey. <laughs> Put him in the chair. <laughs> all right so thank you very much to morgan for those great questions remember everyone got to be following her at house underscore feminist and check out her episode it was delightful all right well i got a couple other questions here for you while we wrap this up and mm -hmm. this question comes to us from friend of the show malt underscore skull and his question is <clears throat> what gives you the most happiness these days Oh, what a good question. What gives me the most happiness these days? I mean, I have tweeted about it, so I, I don't know if this is a fair answer, but my downstairs neighbors have a wiener dog named Pepperoncino that they call <laughs> Pepe for short. Okay. And it's so cute and it's so nice. And it's a fucking wiener dog named Pepperoncino. Pepe. Cool, come here, Pepe. Sweet little Pepe. <laughs> Petito, Pepito. That is fun. You get to see that sort of uh, daily. Uh, oh, my God. Yeah. And they always have, we have like on our apartment, we have like a metal screen door and then a regular door. And they always have just the metal screen door. So, un sweet, petite, Pepite <laughs> always come out when I walk by. I gotta oh, say. sweet. Love it. Shout out to Pepe and his owners. <laughs> Living in the basement, bringing happiness. <laughs> All right, great. Uh, and a follow-up, what is your favorite movie theater snack? 
Oh, that is a good question as well. These are good questions. Um, okay, got to be a tie between red licorice and milk duds. Oh, interesting. Different sides of the spectrum. Exactly. It depends how I'm feeling that day. Also, uh, I mean, movie theater popcorn's great, but I feel like that's the basic-ass bitch answer. So, true. Um, milk duds, great. Stuck in your teeth. Red licorice, great. Eat too much of it, and it feels like all your insides <laughs> are going to slide out your bahiole. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's true. So, yeah, great. Slippery. Great answer. Shout out to licorice industry. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much for those questions, Malt. And now we get to the final questions. This one's from at the Todd Williams, and it's Todd's signature question. If you were a new member of Kiss, what would your character or makeup deal be? Ooh. I think I would probably, I mean, there's a lot of bad ways you could go with this, gotta say. There's a lot, there's only two colors to be used, and one of them is the wrong one. I'll tell you that uh, for my complexion. Um, uh, Probably like tic-tac-toe board. Oh, that's great. With a bum game to show everybody that no matter how hard you try, life is going to throw you some X's and O's, and sometimes (laughs) they're not going to line up. And that's your your like nickname is like Bum Game or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my nickname is Bum Game with the wrong with the wrong. Um, They're like, we're begging you to change emphasis? it. <laughs> we're, we have time. We haven't released the record. Nothing's gone Hello, to print. Seattle. This is Bum Game. <laughs> we're doing the big intros and on bass, we got Bum Game. All right. Well, that I think is probably the best answer to Todd's signature question that we've received so far. So thank, thank you very you. much, DJ. And thanks for doing the podcast. It was a lot of fun. It's so fun thanks to talk to you. What a treat. It's nice. Uh, it's nice to meet a Twitter friend over the airwaves. You yeah, know what I mean? I do exactly know what you mean. And that's kind of why I do the pod. So, <laughs> so it was really great to talk to you. Thanks again for sharing your time. Uh, and now we do anything you want to shout out or promote. And uh, then I play the theme and we say our goodbyes. Wonderful. So I guess I'll plug my very own podcast, Experts, which I co-host and produce with my very good friend and other hilarious comedian, uh, Alex Brown, who is at Snacky Brown, that's Snacky with a Y, on Twitter. Um, we Our podcast is, uh, the tagline for it anyways, is for those who love comedy and those who want to do it. It's presented by The Brunch Club, which is a comedy collective. And uh, we interview uh, women and non-binary people in the industry about parts of the industry that we believe they're experts in. It's kind of like a casual interview, how-to podcast. Really fun stuff. We've had some cool guests like Aparna Nancherla and Sarah Hennessy and, you know, all, all, all things that are good um two of my favorites they're friggin great both of them everyone's probably following aparna but you might not know sarah you gotta follow her at sarah underscore hennessy and that's no h yeah she's awesome she's the real deal and uh yeah i think that's about it i mean you can follow me on twitter i mean i feel like that's already plugged at dj mausner or 1-800-FIGHT-ME or on instagram i have a website there's stuff on there if you're interested oh, yeah. in my stuff. Yeah, a lot of and, great uh, sketch videos on there. So go and check it out right now. Yeah, totally. And freaking, you know, the main thing that I want to plug is I want you to look in the mirror, look yourself in the eyes and say, hey, you, you're good and I love you so much. And then I want you to give the mirror a big old kiss. A lot of tongue. A lot of tongue. <laughs> Gotta say, a lot of tongue. <laughs> well, DJ, thank you so much. Uh, this was great. Thank you. And I will see you on Twitter. Beep pop boop. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Well, that's it. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode with DJ. Now you're going to want to follow at DJ Mausner on Twitter for the very funny stuff and watch her sketches online. Now, for more friends of the show, visit www.stevenwskinner.com for all the episodes or find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave a rating and review. Follow at FOTS Pod on Twitter to get notified about latest episodes and when to send questions to hear on the show. I am at SkinnerSteven on Twitter. That's where you can find me. Send me a message, retweet me, or something. And thank you to Ruby Coast for the music. And thank you to Kyle I. Davidson for the theme. And thank you so very much 
for listening to the podcast. I appreciate it. I am Stephen W. Skinner saying, have a great one. <laughs>